This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. G'day, Steve Menzies here, and this is the Seagulls Business Podcast, hosted by Seagulls Commercial Manager Ben Brody and Chief Commercial Officer Luke Tucker. Each week, Ben and Luke will be joined by Seagulls Corporate Partners and other special guests to chat about all things business. And of course, a bit of footy. The Seagulls Business Podcast is proudly presented by Manly Media Partner, ASCII Live Media. Now... Let's get down to business. Thanks, Beaver, and hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Seagulls Business Podcast, proudly presented by our media partner, ASCII Live Media. I'm Ben Brody, Commercial Manager at the Manly Warringah Seagulls, and I'm joined again today by my co-host and Chief Commercial Officer of the Seagulls, Luke Tucker. Morning, hey, Luke. Ben. Morning. How are you? Very well, very well, especially considering our guest today. We are very fortunate in being joined by co-CEO of Shore and Partners, Earl Evans. Hello, Earl. Hey, guys. How are you? Very well. Shore and Partners, a, uh, a wealth management business here in Australia, also a proud sponsor of the Manly Sea Eagles, and we will get into that later in the podcast. But we like to go back in time before we get to the present and understand a little bit more about our guests. I like to understand for a man who's in the banking and finance business and has been for, I'll say decades, if you don't mind me saying that. No, that's all right. <laughs> where, was, was there a point early in your life, Earl, where you went, yes, banking, finance, that's my career path? Was there a light bulb moment or did you get into it gradually? It wasn't really a light bulb. It just evolved. I think the two things I was always very strong at was one, communication. I'm probably a bit of a talker, which you guys probably know, and, and that's very, very helpful. I, I love people and I love the communication side, and I've always been very strong numerically. So from a very, very early age, just born with a bit of a lucky gene and, and, and just been strong numerically. And when you put the two together, it was just a very good fit. And I sort of got a little bit of a taste, fell into it, fell in love with it. Rolling Stone gathers no moss. Here mm. I am 32, 33 years later, whatever it is, and, and love what I do. I'm presuming that blossomed through school, part of your university degree, and, and then on from there? Yeah, look, but believe it or not, I didn't do a university degree. I was one of these guys that left halfway through grade 11. Lost a little bit of patience with that. You can't do that now in, in the, certainly the industry that I'm in. And I, I was lucky at the end of the day. I, I went into real estate at a very early age, four or five years. I won't bore you with too much of that journey, but very early 20s, fell in love with the stock market, fell in love with buying and selling shares. That's where my, my money was being invested in. Love the, the numbers, just love the activity of it. And then really got into the industry. It was quite challenging for me to get into and then realized I had to go back and further educate. So I actually did go back and do numerous qualifications and have done that really for the last 30 years. So I'm a great believer in continuing to grow, learn, read, educate. You know, every day is different. So you got to do that. You know, I said I've been in it 30 plus years and just love it. Every day is not work to me. I love going to work and, and to me it's play. You know, I, I, I just love it, love it. And I think that comes through in the culture that you build. We'll talk about your current role in the organization later in the show, but I think from, from the time that I've known you over the last three years or so, it's just, you got that infectious nature that you're like, come on, I'm doing it. So get with me and let's do it together. Yeah. I think that, look, you've got to keep the ball rolling, right? It's, it's, you know, I think we were discussing a few minutes ago, you go into meetings for hours and hours and project this and project that. Like for me, it's like, get on with it, make decisions, set a plan, set a goal, and let's keep moving forward. You know, I've got a fairly short attention span. So if you haven't captured it in the first five minutes, you're never going to get it. And if we can get a decision in the next five minutes after that, that's even better. And 
for me, I've always been a bit of a back of an envelope person. If I can't work it out in the back of an envelope, it's too complicated, it's too hard, I don't want to be involved in it. So if I can sort of get it very quickly, I can send it to smarter people than me to sort of, you know, sketch it, math it all out, and we can get to a quick decision. And that that's worked really well for me in my work career. And I try to say that to all of our staff and our partners, you know, just to keep the ball rolling and let's get on with it. Let's not get bogged down in bureaucracy, which we've all experienced at one time or another, whether that's putting plans in to build a home or dealing mm. with some government regulator and, or, you know, bureaucracy. It just is, it's the killer of a good time. Number of industries. Um the, the medical industry is a big one where obviously doctors and nurses have to, despite their wealth of knowledge and experience, have to keep learning. It's something that I guess keeps you humble as well, no matter where you are in your business and can be at the top of the chain. There's nothing more humbling than learning something or finding out that you didn't know something. So what measures do you take? Is it courses? Is it stuff that you're doing within your own business to keep you educated? I'm a voracious reader. So I, I, I read everything I can get my hands on. I was up at four o'clock this morning and, you know, listened to a 30 minute podcast and then did an hour of reading. I don't get a lot of sleep when this life and this planet's all over. There'll be plenty of time to sleep. So get as much as you can in while you're here. It's sort of my attitude. I love asking people, not tell me about what you've done, more about, you know, what's the two lessons that you could teach me or the biggest mistakes that you've made rather than tell me the great things you've done in your life. Tell me the two biggest mistakes you've made in your life. So hopefully I can learn from that. Mm. One thing that I've also found as I've got older is some of the smartest brains are the younger people, right? They're more virile, they're, they're, they're more lateral in their thinking, they think faster than what it was like when I was 20 or 25. So, but I, but I think it's just always questioning things, which we have as children, and then we sort of start losing it as teenagers, and then you start losing it in your 20s or 30s, and you stop that inquisitive nature. I work really hard to continue to try to be inquisitive, which is really hard when you're a talker, because I like to dominate mm -hmm. the stage. And I've got to sometimes be retrospective and listen, you know, and, and, and the old two ears, one mouth, listen as twice as much as you, uh, you speak. And it's hard for a guy like me because I'm naturally that person that's outgoing and want to have center stage. So I've just learned over the years, there's times to sort of zip it, listen, ask questions and, you know, again, just keep reading. So, you know, our industry has gone through in the last three or four years that further education program. And it's been very challenging for people that haven't further educated for a long time, for the people that have always sort of kept up to a certain standard. And it's interesting because people go back to, oh, well, I'm ethical and I'm, I've got principles and values, so I don't need to do this or I don't. It's not about that. It's about executing better. And if you're related to, I suppose, just football, you know, the days of 20, 30 years ago training and then after, you know, it was culture to go and have a beer with all of the team afterwards, that's just gone. You can't perform at the level you're performing. I was listening to a podcast this morning with um, Ali Day and he was getting interviewed, you know, six-time cool and get a goal winner. And he was talking about, you know, four to five hours of physical training every day, but then the mental side, the nutrition side, you can't back up and do that every single day without having a plan. And just, you know, that's evolved over years, right? Yeah. So as far as your career is concerned, you, you touched on the stockbroking. You spent 12 years heading up the North American division of Macquarie Bank. Did you move over there with Macquarie Bank or were you over there yeah. at the time? You did move. Yeah, I was, look, I had a great career at Macquarie and I just a fabulous Australian organisation, no question about it. Some of the smartest people I'll ever work with have just huge admiration for that organization. You know, they're a firm that is just, again, to the points I was making before, they're always learning. You know, they're not afraid to sort of think, you know, in a big way. And they're also a very giving firm. You know, their philanthropic side, the Macquarie Foundation is just huge. Without a doubt, it's one of the best in the country. So I had a very long career with them. Um, I had the opportunity to go up to North America with the Banking and Financial Services Division. I had five years there. I loved it. It was fantastic. 
Ironically, I tried to buy into Shaw's just prior to that. I was actually looking for a bit of a break. I'd been at Macquarie for a long time and I, I wanted a break. It wasn't about Macquarie. It was more about me. I was getting a little bit bored. I actually tried to buy into Shaw then. That's when I met Alan Zion, my now co-CEO and business partner. And the silent assassin. The silent assassin, yeah. And um, all Give the a dark, shout out to Alan. Yeah, right yeah. Now. All the dark lord, as we like to call him. <laughs> um, couldn't do the transaction and the opportunity came up to go to North America with Macquarie. I spent five years there. Loved it. Phenomenal. Great experience experience really brought together more global thinking on my side and again that was that further education I, it was a great opportunity as disruptive as it was on your home life and whatnot it was an opportunity to to learn and develop and, and deal with different people and you know Canadians are wonderful people very much aligned to Australia although they I hear that a lot only thing with Canadians they apologize for everything you know every, I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm oh Des yeah well if you can get them to stop apologizing they've been the fantastic part of the world and you know we're on the footsteps of US I was down there regularly so dealing with them is it's quite interesting you know south of the border just how different they are to north of that border into Canada but yeah five years with them I came back I'd had enough of the bulge bracket firm and quite frankly they'd probably had enough of me I again there's a certain culture within big bulge bracket firms such as the ANZs and the, and the CBAs and the Macquaries um, as successful as they are you have to fit into their mold a little bit if you don't you're out I was going to say on that point I from I've only known you the time that you've been running shore with with Alan but I couldn't imagine you working in an organisation where you're not the boss. The older you get, money sometimes has a tendency to give you more freedom, right? So the more successful you become, the more freedom you want, or the more freedom you get, the more restrictions you want off you. So that probably coincided with my time at Macquarie where, you know, for me, I was very blessed financially that I had choice, probably had choice quite a few years prior to that. The one great thing in our industry, it's certainly an overpaid industry. There's no question. People would But that choice also comes off hard work, yeah? Oh, I think that's right. Yeah, look, I think it's right. I mean, financial services has always been a very good paying industry, quite frankly, and it's it's no different to, you know, the medical industry or things along those lines. It's just one of those industries that has always been a very well remunerated business, but it was time to go and do something different. And uh, the opportunity came up with Alan. Alan rung me, actually. You know, we got together and I said, you know, you remember that two-page document I gave you and presented to your board and those 10 things that we were going to change? What did you actually implement? He said, ah, nothing. I said, we've got plenty to talk about then. Let's go. And that's how that evolved. It was 2014, 2015 that Alan and I had that conversation, you know, six months of discussions and we sort of got the ball rolling in uh, January, February, 2015. It's been a wonderful, wonderful five and a half years. Because how, just refresh my memory on how long Alan has now been at Shoreham Partners? 30 years. I mean, it's a 30-year-old firm. It's a private partnership. Um, we've recently bought on a global international Swiss private bank called EFG as a partner in the business. When I'd actually done our deal for me to take equity and to start, he'd been there for 25 years. So I think that would have been a great timing thing too, because obviously Alan still steadies the ship in the background, but yeah. you've obviously come in, you've taken the brand to a new level and... Mm. Like, I don't think there's a product made anywhere that doesn't have your logo on it at some point. Oh, well. And and before that, they probably didn't have that, that logo on anything, yeah? It was a little bit of a culture shock. Um, we had to change a lot of things in the firm. You know, I think you talk about values and morals and principles and integrity. The firm always had that. I just think they were a little bit stuck in the dark ages. Again, my strength was I knew I could change that. So the partnerships are great. Essentially, I look after all the front end of the business. So I look after the, the wealth side of the business. So we manage close to $20 billion of private wealth, you know, retail money, mums and dads and whatnot. We have an investment banking division. We have a research division. We have a mergers and acquisition divisions. And we have an institutional division, which looks after major corporates. And I look after that front end. He looks off after all the back end of the business. So, you know, compliance, real estate, our profit and loss statements, pays all the bills, um, IT, human resources. So it's sort of great. I'm, I'm the mouthpiece at the front. He's the quiet guy at the back. We actually all share exactly the same views. I mean, in the five and a half years, I don't know whether it's healthy or unhealthy. Alan and I have never had 
a disagreement. I mean, yesterday was a good example. I, I said, look, I'd like to do this. I knew that he didn't want to do it. And he said, look, that's not what I'd do, but it's your call, no problem. And right. that, that's the end of it. It's been remarkable just how good it has been. And he is really the unsung hero of the business. You know, I'm the guy that gets all the glory at the front, but he... Let me tell you, puts in every bit that I do, makes all the hard decisions like I've done. He's just been tremendous partner, tremendous. Such a good guy. And I think we, we look at it and think it's just a perfect partnership from, from what we mm, see. Yeah. And it's a bit ironic that Shore and Partners and then there's a great partnership yeah. um, leading the top. And just on that, I know we're skipping forward a little bit, but just on that partners element, I know that's something that's really, really strong with both yourself and Alan, isn't it? It's about, we'll talk about our sponsorship later in the show, but one of the first things that, that both of you guys said to us was about this is great. There's going to be a sponsorship. Our logo is going to be out there, but we really want to look after the partners and the families behind these guys that get the limelight. So essentially you're looking after the Allens of the world as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, partnerships like anything, right? It doesn't matter whether it's a family unit, doesn't matter whether it's a military unit, whether it's a government, whether it's a football team, um, whether it's a, you know, male or females, you know, doubles tennis team. It's how well you can work together. And I think also too, you know, winning is a great culture and winning somewhat of a habit. But, you know, I think working together, it brings the best out in people and spirit. And the byproduct of that is you become successful, whatever that definition of successful is to the individuals, whether that be financial or, you know, going up the rankings or premierships or whatever it might be, it's working together. And again, if you look at anything in history, when you're not working together, it's destructive and, it's, and it just ends in defeat. Again, you look at governments, if there's, they're not getting on well together and they're infighting, you don't get elected or you get booted out. Right. And, and business is exactly the same. So we, we're really big on the relationship side. We're very big on transparency. To be frank, no bullshit sort of conversations, straight up, call it as it is, you know, call people out on their bad behavior and bit of a cliche, but that open door policy. I mean, I don't, I don't have an office, so there's nothing to open, right? Like I'm out the desk with everybody else. So it's that equal. That's why the first time I came into your office, I was expecting to walk into this big, um, I don't know who watches suits out of our listeners, but the Harvey <laughs> Specter um, with all them. All the, um, and that kind of, I, I think I went there expecting that. Yeah. And then when I saw that you were sitting in the open plan office and then I went, yeah, that's, I, that's what I should have expected knowing you. Well, I think that, all, I mean, that also goes to personality type, right? I'd like people. Uh, that's that's what I enjoy. Mm. I, that's, there's nothing like enthusiastic energy, uh, and you get that off each other. Like sitting in an office all day looking at spreadsheets, it drives me nuts. And, and you sort of somewhat get used to reading through P&Ls or spreadsheets and people come and interrupt you, and you just get used to that after a while. I've done it for 30 plus years of my life. I couldn't think of anything worse than sitting in an office. The only person that has an office is Alan. Everybody in our firm is, is open. Because he has to close plan. the door to fire people every Yeah, no, no, no. Well, like, no, he's not that. Well, look, look, what's great about it is him and I speak 30 times a day. So he's in one corner of the floor. I'm in the other. I walk over there. You know, you do have some delicate conversations. So the reason why Alan decided to have an office, it just avoids us having to walk out of the open plan and walk into a boardroom every three minutes because sure. we talk so much. And it sort of suits a little bit of, you know, his personality and style a bit. But having does, said that, it suits, I think the way that your, your office is configured and the, with each of you guys in each corner, it kind of fits that whole, how, yeah. the, how the business runs. Yeah, but it's great. I mean, it's, a, you know, he never shuts the door. It's got a glass front on it, as you know. and Plenty every, of manly memorabilia oh, in there. Lives for it, right? That's what it's all about. That's what your memories of life are for, looking at photos and, you know, life's about tomorrow, but you've got to savor a little bit of what you've done in the past. So it's worked really well. That's great. And I guess that leads me to my next point, something that you, you brought up with such a successful partnership and the way that you'd brought uh, your relationship with Alan together and how it's benefited the company to then 
sell 51% of your business to EFG, the Swiss banking group last year? That You must have had some reservations about oh. that. <clears throat> Look, we worked with them for a couple of years. So they got to know us very well. They got to know our personalities, what we want to do, and vice versa. We got to know them very well. So I think it's a great partnership. Alan and I, we've got major equity in the firm. We run the firm. We make the decisions. They are very, very hands-off. There's a couple of reasons why they wanted that extra 1%. It was for them to put it on their accounts and books and numbers and whatnot in in Europe um, from an accounting perspective. But at the end of the day, Alan and I clearly run the business. I mean, there's equal board members. They have three. We have three on the board. Um, They've been great partners. They're not involved. They have a lot of respect for Alan and I as equally as much. We've got huge respect for them. So it's worked out wonderfully. There was, but it took us a couple of years to get to that point. Right? We, we, we were not going to let anybody into our cage without knowing exactly what we were getting. And I think it was equally as important for them to know what they were getting because, again, we've got a certain style and like to, to do things in a different way. And, you know, again, it's not traditional that financial services firm would go and sponsor an NRL team. And there's been a few issues over recent years. And the first thing most firms do of our size is disappear. You know, let's go and sponsor rugby union because that looks better. Everyone goes to university there apparently and mm. they're all super smart. And that's just not the way we are. Mm. You know, we're just not that style of firm. And okay, and we hear in the background the halftime siren. It's been very quick, unbelievable, but very thorough insight into your business, Earl, and we look forward to hearing more about your sponsorship of the Manly Seagulls as you touched upon then. So it's time to take a quick break, hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back for the second half of our chat with Earl Evans. Shore and Partners is one of Australia's preeminent investment and wealth management firms. With a national presence and over $20 billion worth of assets under advice, Shore and Partners offers the intimacy of a boutique investment firm backed by the resources and scale of a major financial group in EFG International. Offering tailored advice and investment solutions, financial planning and corporate advisory services, Shore and Partners act for and on behalf of individuals, institutions, corporates and charities. Shoreandpartners.com.au, a proud premier partner of the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. We are back for the second half of our chat today with uh, Shore and Partners co-CEO Earl Evans. Welcome back, Earl. Uh, we've heard about your successful business, your growth through that time. We're now really keen to find out a little bit more about your partnership with the Manly Seagulls, and that probably comes from a special place in your heart for the greatest club in the NRL, the Manly Seagulls. Can you remember the first time or first memories of the Seagulls and why you became a fan? Yeah, 100%. First of all, I think that things always happen for a reason. You know, I'm a great believer in serendipity and sliding doors, if you want to call it that. So I'll give you a bit of a brief to how the sponsorship came about in a few minutes. But um, I was brought up in Narrabeen, 5 Malcolm Street, Narrabeen. So, you know, I remember mum and dad taking me to the Pizza Hut down there at Brookvale. Yes. and um, you can you know, eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bacon yeah. chips. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how it all started. Um, you know, I moved to Queensland when I was eight or nine or something like that. And they didn't have a football team. And as you know, I think the Bronx came in in 87. 88, yeah. Uh, I could just never be a turncoat, right? Loyalty is everything to me. So manly with a team. It's been a lifelong passion. Love it. Awesome. And we're thrilled to have you on board today as our fans and members would know listening to this podcast. The Shore and Partners have been with us since 2018. You see their brand emblazoned on our uh, our sternum as well as our sleeves. Uh, you also take the Shore and Partners Chairman's Club at Lotto Land for our home games. 
It must be a bit of a thrill to not only see your brand on TV on your team, but to come into your own chairman's club and all the rest. Is It's a multifaceted sponsorship. Is there something that excites you more than the others? Or I mean, it's all a bit of a dream, really. Like I said, you know, the, the older you get, the, the more you realise valued time. You know, I'm 55, so I think a lot of people would say at my age, gee, I feel like I'm 30, right? The point I'm trying to make is if you said to me, you'll one day be sponsoring the Manly Seagulls, or you just, you just, not a chance. I can, you know, I can remember like yesterday, you remember the little dolls, you know, the 2V doll and the mm. Des Hazler doll, you know, and, I was in Brisbane watching a game once and, um, you know, Manly were, were losing and I got the 2V doll and threw him out the window and down he went about 10 stories. You know, There's got to be an investigation <laughs> in oh, that. <laughs> absolutely shitty and foul with the world for the whole afternoon. About three hours later, oh, I better go down and get Jeff, right? So down the lift I go, get the 2V doll out of the garden and bring it back <laughs> up for the next Saturday's game, right? Like, that's the passion of sport and certainly NRL. So, um, yeah, I would never, if you would, even if you would have said to me five years ago, ne- not a chance, could, would you be sponsoring in any level? So it's sort of, to me, I've had just the ultimate privilege as Alan, my business partner, has as well. And we drive home after a game. So can you believe we were in the dressing room? We, you, you know, do you, that was Des Hasler. That was Jeff Tooby. That was Dale Cherry Evans or that was Dylan Walker or whoever it might be, right? And it's surreal. It yeah. actually is even surreal today. We're here doing this interview. I, I personally find it, and I pinch myself and I bless myself every day. Wonderful, wonderful, treasured experiences that, yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. You say Very that, lucky. You say that about yourself and Alan saying that when you drive away from the games. We've got guys like Jake Travojevic, Joel Thompson, that, that just, they'll text me out of nowhere or call me. How good are those blokes from Shore and Partners? And I know you've helped, helped out the team and you've built a close relationship with Des, but if I just drop a few names to you and just tell us what you think of Jake Travojevic, Joel Thompson, and then the the boss, Des Hasler. Oh, look, I think, you know, on everyone I've met, they're just great human beings. The, the great part about, I think, rugby league is its authenticity. It's a very authentic game and people screw up. Everybody screws up. I've screwed up. There's things that I'm not happy about in my life that I've done, not for this podcast, but, <laughs> um, you know, and, and they're the same. The problem is they do it in the glare of just everybody. They're human beings. You know, Dylan Walker went through a bit of a tough period a couple of years ago, right? For the good or for the bad, you learn from it. It's not healthy. Everyone gets sucked into it, unfortunately. But you win together, you lose together. you got to pull together and get through it. You know, for me, I just think, you know, players like, you know, Jake and Tom get a lot of media. They're great people, but they're young kids, right? They're, they're you know, they're, they're 23 and 25 or something like that. You know, it's it's very challenging reading about yourself on the front page of the Telegraph or the back. You know, you're a genius. You've played great football. You're gifted. You're this, you're that. You're earning all this huge money. They're still going to go home and do everything that we do, right? Shower, shave, do all that sort of stuff. They're great ambassadors. They're great people, but for the good and the bad. You know, if I look at Joel Thompson as a great example, like he's made you know, some bloody terrible decisions in his life, which he would be the first to admit. And I think that's the sign of someone that is courageous and a great human being. Admit that you've screwed up. He's lasering off a few tattoos on his neck mm. for the next journey of his life, knowing that probably people don't want to see tattoos all over his neck when he goes in and, and does what he does. You learn from all of that stuff. And he's a great journeyman. Again, my read on most of it, they've just got big hearts. Des, he's one in a thousand guy, right? Like he's a guy that constantly is probing the norm, thinking outside the box. That's why he's had the success that he's had because he doesn't accept the status quo. You know, he gets called all sorts of things, quirky, weird, scientist. Uh, you can imagine him in a biochemist lab or something like all hell would break loose. Again, that's why he gets the results that he does. I think the reality of it is it all comes from the right spot. He's looking for an outcome. He's looking at taking people on the journey with him. He's passionate. He wants to win. 
right? And, and, and he knows he has to get the best out of everyone individually and then put it all together in, a, in the baking cake, you know, puts all the ingredients together and out it comes. And, and he can play every, every part. He's a great politician with the media, as we know. He's a great statistician. The loyalty that he breeds is, is, is very unique. And there's a few people that are very similar to him, but that's why they're, you know, there's a handful right at the top of the game of coaching. For the three years that I've been involved in the club from a sponsorship perspective, Alan and I again say it all the time, you can tell the difference in the last 12 months, 18 months that he's been involved. It's like two different clubs. And from a lifetime, so I'm 55, I've been supporting the club since I can remember. So let's say that's from five years of age, 50 years of supporting the club. Yeah, when we first came aboard as a sponsor, it was a little bit of a, dare I say, gong show. There was a period there, it was a bit, you know, you know, you're reading in the press, I don't know, the coach has to bring his own plastic chair or something. I mean, that's sure. just ridiculous to say the least. Now Desi just says to you, I need I need some new stuff. Can I have can I have some <laughs> well, money to buy? Well, one, he couldn't really probably care. Like, let's just get the results. If, I, if I've got to eat dirt and sit on the gravel, I'm happy to do so. If you get me the result, I don't really care. And look, Alan and I have had a few dinners with him and quite a lot to do with him at a private level. He's a great guy. Like, And, and, and it's easy to say everyone's a great guy, but there's things that I don't want to go into in the podcast that he's done for us that he did not need to do. You know, he gets he it. He, he, that's the biggest thing I've noticed with him. He gets it. And I can say to, it's not manufactured. Like I, I say to him, I've set up a dinner for you with Alan and Earl, go for it. And he'll come and talk to me for an hour the next day about what he spoke to you about. I don't understand most of it, but, mm. well, <laughs> um, you know, but he gets it. Like it's not manufactured and it's not, appearances like that. Sometimes you have to do them in the sponsorship. These are outside of our agreement. I think the best way to sum it up is he gets it and he well, knows that, how partnerships know, work. A family member of Alan's had a bit of a health issue. You know, we we're at one of these dinners talking about it and just in general, you know, next minute there's five specialists calling Alan and this, that, and the other yeah. all come from Des. That's the part that you don't see. That's authentic. Yeah. Right. That's, that comes from the right spot. There's no, you owe me or any of that stuff. That's just authentic. And then you get a text. How are you, mate? Everything all right? How'd you go? It's genuine. So, and I think that's why the players have responded so well in the last 12 or 18 months to him. Hey, one we can't let go through, we're, we're praising Earl for being a Manly fan, but we can't let it slide through that he's also a Queenslander. He's, <laughs> but you've got the you've got the Manly captain and the Queensland captain who you've also true. built a close well, relationship, you know, but Daly, Daly is yeah, <laughs> he's your man, he's Manly and, and Queensland. Well, like I'm a really loyal guy. Like you pick something, you stick to it, and for the good or the bad, we're in this together and we're going on, we're going forward. So, you know, if I go back through, again, my life, I moved to Queensland when I was eight or nine. I backed Manly right from the beginning. I was in the suburb and... So in 1980, I was in Queensland. No one had ever heard of State of Origin before, right? So I never watched State of Origin on TV. So when State of Origin happened, because I lived in Queensland, I, I got a barrack for Queensland because that's where I live and that's where I was. And so I, I'm, a, I'm a mad Queensland supporter. I would never give up my roots. to. And so, you know, again, I could just never swap to New South Wales. I've just got to support Queensland for the good or for the bad. I mean, it's been a bloody good ride so far, but you're right. <laughs> Dale Terry Evans, you know, the captain, fantastic. I was thrilled. And Manly has a rich tradition of uh, producing... 100%. Great Queensland players. Oh, well, maybe yeah, yeah. vice versa, I should stealing say. Stealing them, stealing them. Choppy clothes. Oh, fantastic, by the way. Thrilled, you know. They yeah. tried to get the great Wally Lewis and just missed him. But yeah, no, no, no. But the association with Manly from our side has been great. I mentioned before the sponsorship. So, you know, we're again a very, I'm not going to say untraditional, but, you know, we don't sit there and say, right, what value do we get out of every dollar we spend? Because again, that's just not who we are and how we operate. And it's worked very well for Alan and I and for Sean and Partners. But we were actually at the um, we were at we were at Qantas, and it was the start of the season three years ago, something like that. And and I looked over, and I never met Scott Penn, and I said to Alan, "That's Scott Penn." He said, "No, it's not." I said, "I'm I'm telling you, that's Scott Penn." And so I googled him. I said, "That's bloody Scott Penn." I'm going over to say all the best for the season. So I went over to him, and probably looked at me as if I was just you know some other stupid fan or whatever it might be. And um, and then I said, "Look, I noticed last year you didn't have a sternum sponsorship." 
and it was vacant all year. And he said, well, we called a thousand people. You must have been the thousand and one that we didn't call. I said, look, I, I, I don't know. I'd be just curious to see how much that is. And then five minutes later, Luke Tucker gives me a call. And, and Luke, you've never yeah. stopped hearing from him. <laughs> We've never stopped spending since. It just it keeps going on. Every time the numbers, don't tell us the numbers. It's been a perfect match for us, to be frank. And even the first 18 months were a little bit tumultuous. It was great. It was really good. You know, like it just, again, some of the stuff, some of the involvement. What, what I've learned as a sponsor we want to be involved. You know, we don't want anything from it. I don't need 30 photos taken with the players to put on my Instagram page to make everyone look how great I am and all that sort of stuff. I don't want to live vicariously through someone else's eyes. I think we're very genuine people. The doors have been opened and I think the players and the coaching staff are naturally guarded. So I think, you know, we were never going to be fly-by-nighters. We were always going to be here for the long term. What's the long term? I don't know. But, you know, I think we're next year's four years or something like that. Just um, recently renewed. So, and, and to your credit too, that was, that was initiated by yourself and Alan that said, hey, we know everyone's going through a tough time with what's happened in worldwide. Uh, we just want to know, we want to let you know that we're there for the club next year. So bank, yeah. bank our money. We're here again. Yeah. And look, that was Alan. Alan, Alan actually said, you know what? We love Manly. They must be going through a tough time. We don't know when the footy's going to start. Why don't we give them a call and say we're in for next year and hopefully, you know, that helps and makes them feel good. So, you know, that was Alan um, that did that. And wasn't a bad call to take. Yeah, no, it was good. Like, I mean, but again, that's the partnership. And I, I, I know when I've spoken, we've had a couple of dinners, which we've put on for all of the players and, the, and their partners, which are very important to us. You know, there's always someone behind the scenes, which, um, you know, we would never do. Like I think we've done two or three now, Luke, something like yeah, that. Yeah. And we've invited all the partners every time because they sit there and they go through the ups and the downs. I've said it every year, you know, we win together, we lose together. So it's not like, oh, well, we're not playing this year. How much money do we get back? You know, where's our return? Sort of, you know, that just sort of spoils the fun, right? So um, it was completely the opposite. It was, <laughs> how do we get in again for next year? Or how do we activate that, uh, that extension for next year? And yeah. for us, that's... It wasn't really timing wise. It wasn't a time that we wanted to initiate that type of conversation. Uh, so for you guys to come forward and say that, it just it just shows that that's what our partnership is about. Like I said, Alan and I look. We're very proud to see our brand name on the sleeve. To us, it, we burst with pride every time we see it. How much money does it make us in terms of new clients? Shouldn't say this too out loud, but I probably couldn't tell you to be honest with you. But millions, I know it's definitely millions. Yeah, look, look. Intuitively, we know it works, right? We we know it helps get our brand, and, and when people see your brand, it gives them comfort. That's not why we did it to start with, and that's not why we do it now. Again, it's the back of the envelope. We think it works. It all fits in pretty well. We love the sport. As it turns out, um, again, just another that serendipity. Alan is a South African. Right. So when he came from South Africa 30, 35 years ago, the team that he chose to support, and he's a mad sports fan, right? Mad, like Al's nuts on sport, was Manly. So the two of us getting together, yeah. partnership, we're both raging Manly fans. Like, and I mean, he's just, he's probably more passionate than me, right? He knows the stats, the numbers, like the no tomorrow, right? He'll come and tell me every morning. We, we catch up at quarter past seven for coffee every morning. He'll come and tell me the stats, the numbers of this and that, who's done this, who's done that, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. We're thrilled to represent your brand on the field. Luke touched on it before. The boys really enjoy you as as people, not only as uh, sponsors bringing money into the club, but it's it's wonderful to get a further insight into your passion for the club. Mm. Uh, you're obviously a, a passionate person as it is, but it, it's great to have sponsors like you. We thank you so much for your time today. It's a thrill to get uh, an insight into what makes you tick and everything that's Manly Seagulls is, is good for us and, and good for our fans and our, and our members. So we thank you for your time. Uh, guys, it's been a pleasure. 
And, uh, you know, again, on behalf of Alan and I and Sean Partners, again, thanks for allowing us to be part of the sponsorship and be part of things like this. And it's been a, it's been a great journey and we hope it continues for uh, many years to come. 100%. Earl Evans, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. This has been the Seagulls Business Podcast, presented by and recorded in the studios of Manly Media Partner, ASCII Live Media. You can follow the Seagulls on LinkedIn, For more episodes and other official Seagulls podcast channel shows, head to seagulls.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an ASCII live media production for the Manly Warringah Seagulls official podcast channel. 